0: You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode number 67, Josh Mazzerell. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip.
1: Today you'll benefit from automotive and life wisdom from a genius, highly creative, and technically savvy 30-something from Dublin, New Hampshire. Meet car and truck aficionado Josh Maserol proprietor of Vague Industries, a leading edge fabrication shop in New England. As a brilliant fabricator, chassis and suspension guru, stuntman, marketing promoter, and automotive photographer, Josh has more talents than you can carry in a Baja truck. And on top of that, the man in the cowboy hat is a modern-day, common-sense, straight-ahead philosopher, like Cars of Carlisle. Josh is 110% focused on our hobby in building car community through everyday kindness of strangers turned friends. Did we mention Josh transformed a 1977 Toyota Hilux into an insanely cool vehicle with a twin turbo LS engine swap? This Armageddon ready monster has crisscrossed America multiple times. Yes, this one of a kind wide body pickup with custom 10-inch fender flares puts out over a 1,000 crank horsepower on pump gas. Off to New Hampshire we go, so let's get revved up! <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome back, Cubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren, and this week we are talking with our new friend from Dublin, New Hampshire. We met him while on the Rally North America event, and uh, Josh has uh, been passing up and down 81, making some trips down into Virginia and and various areas up and down the East Coast. Every time he was coming through Carlisle, I tended to be away or or was... uh, uh, out of town but uh, we were able to catch up with him by a conference call and uh, we recorded that interview for you here so i hope you enjoy that before we get into that just want to say thank you to all of you our cubers for continuing to be fans spreading the word uh, letting others know about it i know a special shout out to joseph in uh, the Boise, Idaho area. He continues to to tell all his friends and family about this podcast, and really growing that people are subscribing, uh, rating, and reviewing, giving us five stars. And we r- thank you guys for all of that. So continue to spread the word, and uh, if you like us, let us know. We appreciate that. Also, want to mention we are on the heels of the uh, Corvettes of Car Allow coming up. Excited to be actually taking the Z06 onto the field. We'll be talking to. Uh, Lance Miller, as well as Jody Morrison here in the next week or so, have uh, time with them over at the Carlisle events. So for those that are interested in the Corvettes of Carlisle, that's coming up real soon. In addition, we have uh, a couple other local uh, car fan, car nut people that we're going to have on the show here in the next three to four weeks, so stay tuned for that. We are excited about the content. We have uh, the Sam and Lou, uh, the second edition of their IntraCast coming up uh, within the next five weeks, so a lot happening here at Cars of Carlisle Network, and we're so glad that you are a part of it. Let's jump into this week's trivia question, and that is this. The Toyota Hilux, and that is mentioned, you'll know that uh, in the interview, Josh, uh, it's one of the feature cars that we'll be we, uh, talking about and um, highlighting. But the question I have for you is, what year did Japanese manufacturer Toyota begin to manufacture the Hilux? That answer at the end of the podcast. So now let's go to the phone interview with our friend Josh from the Dublin, New Hampshire area. Hello, Cubers. This is Darren, and I have a new friend of the the show, of the Cars of Carlisle, and that's Josh Maserol. He is out of Keene, New Hampshire. In fact, Josh, thanks uh, for being part of this by phone tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here, even though it's remote. You know, it's, it's good to be <laughs> yeah. part of this. We uh, we didn't. We're you came back down through uh, Pennsylvania and it didn't work out. I wasn't uh, around the home studio at the time, but thanks for taking this call. Just to give uh, everybody a quick background, how we met Josh is Scott and I while on the uh, Rally North America trip. It took us through Keene, New Hampshire, which is known for its beautiful murals that are painted on the walls of the of the buildings throughout. Town, particularly down along Main Street, and as we came back to uh, get in the car to continue on to the next, uh, Josh had pulled in, and and uh, we were talking LS engine stories and what have you, and swapped business cars and got the talking, and and uh, pretty much became fast friends. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, like all things, it's usually the the vehicles and the cars that bring us together, and and that's the great part of it all. So, Josh. I know you said uh, we could probably do three episodes and I, I see I see future episodes out of all this but uh, you have uh, a business a custom shop Vague Industries up in Keene but tell I mean we won't talk about that and how you got into business and how you started all that but can you give the highlight highlight reel of just how you knew that you were a car guy born and raised yeah yeah well uh, maybe you can
2: help guide me through this but uh, I you know I've been in the car since I was little kid you know three four years old had my power wheels i used to go up there and wash that thing and use my fake tools on it and <laughs> i remember uh i rolled it over and i cracked the bumper and my mom says i cried for three days oh my
0: um, gosh <laughs> yeah not
2: because i was hurt but because i was bummed right.
0: um,
2: but uh i did my first frame up restoration when i was nine years old with my dad oh my um, gosh toyota pickup and you know, we did, I cut the front suspension out of it, and we did a solid axle swap, which was pretty common nowadays. But back then, you know, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, that was not a common thing. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I just, when I was in kindergarten, my teachers kept a journal for me. And, you know, because I couldn't really write. And, you know, it said, Josh made a friend Christopher. Josh likes to draw. And, you know, what you want to be when you grow up down at the bottom, there's checkboxes like fireman, policeman, secretary, nurse. My teacher had checked other. And then (laughs) wrote in, build monster trucks. Not drive monster trucks or be a professional baseball player. Like... Josh wants to build monster trucks when he grows up, and nice. I'm 32 now, and I build monster trucks, and so like I make a lot of the most important decisions in my life based on what the 10 year old version of myself would want, and. I build lots of trucks for a living. I drive
0: a Hot Wheels every day. Yes, you do. I keep
2: Reese's under my bed and
0: I eat whatever I want. And if that means it's ice cream for breakfast, that's what Josh has. <laughs> I like it. Well, yeah. and, and just what I've like seen in some of the videos off of your website and everything else, driving across country I and mean, just doing things off the cuff and completely I – mean, I shouldn't say carefree. That's not fair. But just living in the moment enjoying the day seizing it and uh you know realizing that we're not guaranteed anything so you, you just, yeah that's you,
2: 100% but i've got a couple of sort of mottos when i was little I, I started saying i thought it was cute back then but it's kind of true now that i said you know what's life if you don't live mm-hmm. and i sort of lived by that for a while and i've got another motto that has coins that I believe that experience is the currency of life and the more experience you have, the richer you are. But I've come to learn with age that I, I believe that negative experience holds more value than positive experience. Um, Cause you know, life's full of mountaintops and swamps. And like mm-hmm. you go up to the peaks to the tops and the only way to keep moving forward with life is to start heading down the other side into the swamp and like you're bound to spend a lot of your life in the swamp and you need to learn to appreciate that or you're going to have a miserable life because like, yeah. that's just part of it And so I've been, if you can find the value in it then you can leverage that and have a happier overall
0: it's pretty prophetic and I, I've been following and checking out your YouTube videos and, and uh, links off of your site and some other things and I, I've heard you say that because that currency comment that analogy is, is brilliant and it there's a lot of truth to that. And the fact is that in life, and we don't need to... I mean, I, I know we're waxing poetic, but there we remember the, the high moments, those very, very top summits. But you're exactly right that the predominant part of anyone's life is walking the valley floor. And unless you can get comfortable in your own skin and, and know how to navigate it and deal with the bugs and everything else that comes with the swamp, it's going to be a rough, rough travel. Yeah,
2: and that's like... You know, not to not to be a one up or a one down or whatever, but like I've been in some of the lowest of low places, and what I've learned from that is like the best stories come from the worst experiences. Every mm. time, hands down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's sort of where I where I get my beans off is just doing these crazy things that I'm willing to to make sacrifices and commitments that other people won't and in the end of the day like I have these crazy life experiences and I've driven I've got this little pickup truck that Mm. is pretty well known it's a 77 Toyota Hilux it's Mm -hmm. got 2006 crown pick front and rear suspension in it it's so it's super super wide I've got 10 inch flares on each side it's got a twin turbo LS motor in it um, it's uh making about eleven hundred at the crank. And yeah. It's and that's on pump gas too, so this has got a monster transmission four L eighty in it. Um it's it's pretty nutso. And I've driven that thing thirty four thousand miles in the past two years and it's been across the country nine times i don't have
0: a single gauge in it i don't have a temperature gauge or oil pressure i don't have a fuel gauge i know you have that you've got the cardboard up on the what would be dash which is great yeah Yeah. Yeah. the the rare jdm white face piece of paper written on it right right no i i I actually am a big fan of that truck just through uh uh, your hoonigan video and everything else i mean you have earned some mad respect with uh uh, what you've done with it and where you've gone but the fact is that you enjoy it you don't you don't if it um i think in that hoonigan video you you kind of clipped that one t- blew out the light as you made it you clipped the one wall uh in a yep. and you just kind of like hey it's kind of uh, you, kind of what happens you just keep smiling and keep moving yeah
2: yeah 100 percent. i mean i smashed it against the shipping container and then i was just in the moment i'm like you know what I'm going to make this match. And then immediately <laughs> whipped it into the other side of the shipping container and just smashed the other side. And uh, so they were all shutting down after we filmed uh, that first Tune Again episode. And everybody's trying to go home, and I held them there late because I'm a mess sometimes. Um, <laughs> and uh, so now we got a smashed up taillight, and they're like, all right, well, see you later like no that can't really so I snuck into their, uh, their lunch room I went to the fridge and I stole a Ziploc container like tinted red lid and then I cut it up and taped it over my broken taillight because <laughs> so the bulb was still good and then I drove it 3,000 miles home
0: like that <laughs> resourceful you gotta have it that way that is yeah. that is cool well I don't mean to, to drag you back to the bayou and to the bog but um, you mentioned about some of the best stories the best um, opportunities and, and learning things come from those those low points. Is there any one or two that you'd like to share, just to, to kind of illustrate that? Um.
2: So the truck itself is kind of a a memorial of bad times that have been. Um, how do I restored by the kindness of strangers who've expected nothing
0: in return. Is that some so, of the, the? I know you have a lot of Sharpie signatures all over the Hilux. Is that? Does that lead into the part of this? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So what happened was, uh, <laughs> my, I, my, I'll sort of back up a little bit and tell a story to to lead into this one. Was a bunch of years ago, my best friend and I, who
0: actually he lives in Mount Joy, which is just just outside of Elizabethtown. Yeah. Close
2: to you. Sure. Is. Um, he was building a, a school bus, kind of as a tour bus for his motorcycle stunt team. Um, so that he didn't always have to put his riders up in a hotel. And it was a tiny house. It was basically what it was built, and it was a really nuts thing. Um, and we had talked, like like I think most people have done at some point in their life, hey, we got to finish this bus and drive it around the country. Wouldn't that be cool? And something that I've learned is if you just say, hey, next summer we should or sometime we should, That time never comes, and it never actually happens, and then you don't ever do it. So we tried to be a little more specific. We were like, hey, let's do it this spring, which was still pretty vague. Um, and we're gonna just drive around the country for a month or two and go sightsee and do whatever was on our bucket list. Well, he called me up and he's like, hey man, uh, this was near the end of the year. Um, he says I just got a job offer making 50 bucks an hour and I, you know, I'm not currently working and if I take this job I'm not going to be able to go on the trip with you because I have to sort of commit to this sort of long term I can't just work for a few months and then take off in the spring so I was like well don't take the job right. <laughs> he said yeah he's like well I, I can't do that I don't have any money right now Like, well, I don't have any money either man but Instead of going in the spring, why don't we leave on the first of the year? And that's in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. We'll just—I'll quit my job right now. I'll go down there and help you finish the bus early, and we'll leave on the first, ready or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we did. And we we filmed this little documentary series on artisans and craftsmen of dying trades. And we found all these people with the through the internet, um, and we went all around the country we let the people decide our route and essentially we got to immerse ourselves in local culture because we worked with them for a few days oh, and wow. you know these are anything from custom motorcycle builders to leather smiths and woodworkers and glass blowers. um but we didn't take the highway anywhere around the country we took half a year off doing this um and we just sort of figured out how to make it work. We're just resourceful. And we put the bus up for charging services. But while we were out there in Phoenix, we found this 1977 Toyota pickup. that had been abandoned in the desert for 15 years. So we're like, i got to have that because we're both Toyota nuts, a little mm-hmm. white pickup truck. And, um, he... we we had like tried to find out who owned it finally found the owner found um, my friend Doug did most of the footwork here um, and was trying to buy it from him the guy was like nah nah I've had that truck forever you know I'm not going to get rid of it and then every year like hey you want to sell that thing hey you want to sell that thing Mm -hmm. for years Mm -hmm. finally the guy let it go for 250 Mm bucks took a week or two to get it running and just wanted to drive it from Phoenix to New Hampshire in stock form. Leave it alone. Don't. Didn't want to ruin it. That's mm-hmm. fine the way it was. Right. Um. But I blew the motor up in New Mexico, and I idled 120 miles down this desert dirt road for 80 miles of it. There was no cell phone service. There was like no telephone wires, no barns, oh, houses, and a single person.
0: Wow. That's on One wild burrow. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh.
2: I met up with this Craigslist stranger in the middle of the night who helped me do a motor swap in this thing. I never met this guy. Wow. Uh, he was super dry on the phone and sort of hard to read, but he, uh, like I worked a deal where he would sell me the motor out of one of his parts trucks and also rent uh, use of his facilities. And I didn't know if his facilities were like a gravel driveway or a full shop or whatever, but I knew he had a parts truck, so he must have some tools and some place to work on it. Um, Turns out he had a really nice hobby shop at home. And he stayed up all night working on this with me, and he worked just as hard as I did, which was a surprise to me. Um, I figured he was going to say, well, here's the toolbox. I'll check
0: on you in a little bit. Right, right. Um, but he stayed up all night with me swapping this motor out.
2: I had I left Phoenix on Tuesday, and I had to be in Dallas Thursday at 3.30 and I drove as long and as hard and as many miles as I possibly could and blew this motor, stayed up all night rebuilt the motor and blew tires and I did a, a valve adjustment on the side of the road with a beer can, a tire iron and four <laughs> zip ties and <laughs> well I know the beer can is thick, so three layers is 12 thou and two layers is 8 thou but I made it to the airport to pick up my friend three minutes after she walked out onto the concrete.
0: Oh, my Um, gosh.
2: Yeah, it was nuts. Uh, But that's sort of where I saw this. On that bus trip, when I started meeting with these artisans and craftsmen and immersing myself in local culture and not just driving by on I-40 and seeing everything from the highway, I started... My eyes opened a little bit to the fact that all these people all over the country are just regular people. Mm-hmm. And they they all are, you know, got families and jobs and they all have, almost all of them have good intent. And then I was reminded again, with this pickup, when this stranger, his, the dude's name is Joe True, mm-hmm. out of Amarillo, and that people are good. Yeah. Um, and then, so this was supposed to be a week trip to drive this truck straight back. took me three months, three motors, and by the time I got it home, it was wide-bodied on crown-pick suspension with a turbocharged LS motor in it, and (laughs) everybody who helped me and expected nothing in return signed the B-pillar of the truck. Oh, nice. Um, So I've got hundreds and hundreds of signatures on this truck, and they're everything from Joe Blow, you know, or Joe True, um, to uh, you know, quick name dropping tv stars Aaron Kaufman and like we we got a bunch of legit people on here that just want to be part of the story yeah and you know whether it was a screwdriver to sort of keep me going or hey man this thing really needs a turbocharger here you go Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, and I love how you have it over there on the it's on the uh the starboard side coming up through the hood I mean it's pretty badass it's cool it's yeah, yeah,
2: it's kind of gotten out of control now. Um, <laughs> it's it's
0: way out of control. Yeah, that's okay. It's that's kind of like, but it. It lends itself to the whole Hot Wheels theme. That's what I like about it. You know, it's yeah, yeah. That's that's really what it is. I drive a rusty Hot Wheels every day.
2: And it's
0: awesome. Mm-hmm. It's natural patina. That's what it is. Uh, yeah,
2: and I think. That a lot of people really like the, the rat rod thing about it, mm-hmm. but truthfully between you, me, the hat rack, and the rest of your listeners, I hate rust more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the same, whole truck is brown because we built the wide body on it because uh, Discovery Communications said, hey, we want you on the show with Motor Trends. You got 10 days to get the Tucson from New Hampshire. Then the truck was in a thousand pieces. So We threw the truck together. We're on the road, and I don't have brakes. My steering hardly turns because the columns rubbing against the manifold. And one of my friends down in South Carolina, who I'd met. So this, actually, this is the story that I wanted to tell. um, As far as like one of the sort of touching stories, Mm -hmm. um, I had made it to Greenville, South Carolina, on my original trip home, and. You know, we've got the inside of the tire lines up with the outside of the body. Uh, It's So it looks like a roller skate. We've got the engine sticking out the hood, the turbo sticking out the hood, and the truck like barely runs. It's stumbling, it feels like spark plug is burnt out or something, Mm -hmm. we can't really figure out what's going on. So I met this, every time I'm at a gas station, there's a crowd of people that just wants to look at it. Like, what is this wild contraption? And Mm -hmm. I'm a fairly personable guy anyway. So I'm I'm talking to everybody and we're like 1130 at night and there was this one guy standing there that I was talking to just to sort of be polite, but he didn't really seem that interested in cars. Didn't seem like a hardcore car guy. And then uh, he was like, yeah, I work for a shop down the road, a Carolina rod shop. I'm like, oh, Cool we talked a little bit more and he said like, yeah you have to stop by sometime but again like, yeah, next time i'm in the area because i'm really at this point we're three months in and i'm super burnt out on living on the road mm-hmm. you know i'm living in the fornicatorium showering in a rain gutter and a hurricane and like <laughs> it's just i'm over it i gotta go home right. um so this dude's like oh i'll show you right now and as much as i didn't want to and i just want to get on the road and leave he had tools, he wanted to help, and I just went. Um, so I show up there, and we work on it until about 3.30 in the morning. He's like, hey man, I have to go to work at like 7.30 or something in the morning, and it's almost time to go to work. I have to go home and get a couple hours of sleep. I'm sorry, we have to stop doing this. I was like, no big deal. I'll find some place to camp, and I'll figure it out in the morning. He goes, all right, well, you can camp here if you wanted. i like, oh, "What like, what? Out in the back corner of the parking lot, and uh, he goes, "No, no, no, we'll just stay right here in front of this door because the you know the Mustang's in the paint booth. That's not coming out. This isn't come- you're fine right here." So he leaves. I pull out an air mattress and I set it up right in front of my truck, between my truck and the bay door of the shop. Um, now the Carolina Rod Shop does super high end work. They've got three big facilities. They've got a fab fabrication facility. They've got paint body facility and then they've got a whole other building just for finished assembly and somehow by the body shop and i go to sleep in my sleeping bag and this dude's name is julian julian says i'm gonna wake up extra early text the guys let them know what's going on there's no surprises tomorrow so julian didn't wake up extra early he woke up extra late <laughs> I
0: don't think I know where
2: this is going <laughs> so it was like I don't know the exact times but you know work starts at 8 it's like 8.45 and I wake up and there's people like sidestepping and shimming and shuffling around me to get into work like there's this homeless bum with this rowdy hot rod parked in front of their
0: shop
1: <laughs>
2: and well, the weird part is they were trying to be respectful to the sleeping bum
0: and not him up <laughs> Um, did you have this? So, did you have this Stetson tilted over your face or something to add to the whole scene? Or
2: <laughs> so Julian rolls in at like nine twenty, and Big Boss is like Julian, I need to see what my office right now. <laughs> and Julian tells him what's going on. He's like, listen, these guys are like the American hot rodders right here, they're driving this thing across the country. They've built it on a road trip through the kindness of strangers. And you know, they're broke down. So Mm -hmm. instead of them going, you know, doing whatever they could have done, they basically like shut the shop down. It was all hands on deck to fix and diagnose this truck. And it ended up being chased wiring. from a junkyard harness that somebody was not nice to when they removed the engine. Um, so they fixed the wiring, they set me up with a bunch of stickers, T-shirt, apparel, a big box of tacos, and a phone <laughs> number to call if I ever need anything uh-huh. anywhere. And, yeah, so these strangers became friends, and then some of these friends, over time, have become family, like, like uh-huh. these guys. You know, this Carolina Hot Rod Shop family, um, you know, I'm driving this truck out to Tucson for this Discovery Channel thing with Motor Trends, mm-hmm. and they hear what's going on, they hear I'm on a super time crunch, like like way time crunch. Um, I wanted to leave on, we'll say Monday, but I stayed up you know, for several days trying to get this thing together, and when I put it in drive in the morning, the transmission was smoked, so I lost an entire day oh. sourcing and replacing a transmission, and all of those hours I had allotted for sleeping. So now I'm not allowed to sleep on the way across the country, I just have to drive. So, yeah, the Carolina Rod Shop sees what's going on, they're like, hey, we wanna help, because it was a race that I had to do. Um, It was, uh, the networker purchased the show, was actually Facebook, and the show is called the 3K Hoopsie Challenge. Um, there's six episodes, I think. Um, But uh, we had to go drag race, and the hot rod guys were like, hey man, if you can make An extra trip way out of your way to come down to uh, South Carolina, we'll put nitrous on that thing for you. (laughs) (laughs) So I made a several hundred mile detour when I was already late to go to the Carolina rod shop to throw nitrous at it. But what was good about that is I had been up for days, so I am totally smoked, and I have fresh blood there, so we've got you know six guys that just woke up and they're ready to go and they're just ant to work on something, and they're fresh. all I had to do is you know man pull that column out I'm gonna take a nap
0: beautiful did, yeah now, to make up to make up some of the time did you have to actually uh hit the bottle on the way west <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's crazy is I had never actually like.
2: Got on it. I've never done a launch. I just had to get there. Okay. Um, so this truck was 100% untested, and I didn't want to. I'd rather blow it up on the track than blow it up trying to get there.
0: Right. Right.
2: Um, yeah. So um, yeah, that was that's kind of the general story-ish. I mean, like I said, hundreds of signatures. Each signature is the time that I broke down, which is a negative experience. Mm-hmm. But. The worst it is, I don't know what else to call it. You know, if you believe in religion or anything, it could be God. or But, like, I call it magic. That's when the magic is. When you're in your worst, it just,
0: I've never not made it yet. That's incredible. Yeah, and that's, that's good wisdom right there. And it seems to me that you've probably gained, you mentioned about the the friends turned family, probably some of your closest adopted family has come from some of those hardest uh, hardships that 100%. Was, yeah. That those, those Sharpies are important. Yep. Yep. I it's be- hard to explain. It's really hard to put in words. It gets you goosebumps, really, when you, when mm-hmm. you get right down to it. mm mm-hmm.
2: no, So I- my whole mission has been to build community and expose the kindness of strangers in America. And depending on your perspective, like, I've had people come at me and say, well, you're just a professional panhandler. And in the end of the day, like, I'm not looking for handouts. I just... I'm looking to build relationships with people and I'm using
0: you know this, this, these automobiles as a focal point well and that's I think why uh, we became fast friends that day on Main Street when we had to throw it in reverse and get out of that that uh, <laughs> diagonal parking spot and get heading heading north but uh, you I mean we we resonate with the whole what we're trying to do and yes the vehicles are great whether they're mud boggers or Lamborghinis or Rat rods but it's it's the people behind the wheel it's the the stories the, the community the camaraderie um, and what I like about it is our hobby the vehicles themselves are the the great equalizer and you've you know that you know that probably better than anybody Josh I mean you can be standing next to an open engine bay and the guy uh, may have fifty bucks to his entire name talking shop with a guy who is a multi-billionaire, and they don't care where they are socioeconomically, they they just are good friends because they're talking over something they both love.
2: I had a super cool experience uh, a couple months ago. So I just got back from a, I did a six week trip where we did 13,000 miles and two full builds. So that was a full time like no sleep, just drive, just build, just thrash. And there was a point in there when I was in, I think south side of Las Vegas, and a water pump let go. So I'm at a gas station, and one of my rules is after this first trip, when I tried to drive it home in stock form and came back with a boosted LS thing, was I'm not allowed to bring any more tools that I can carry in one hand. The rest, I need to rely on the kindness of strangers. And what that does is it forces you to engage with incredible people. Because okay. the only people who are actually gonna help are incredible people. So you make these connections that you wouldn't have otherwise made if you just used money or a huge toolkit to solve your problems.
0: That makes sense.
2: So so I have to talk to cool people and I have to build these cool relationships. and. that to me is where the magic is Um, so when I was out in Vegas outside of Vegas I had to do a water pump and I didn't have all the tools I needed like a big massive wrench to get the um, mechanical fan off the water pump Um, and I ended up changing the water pump with this Spanish guy that he didn't speak English um, so there was a language barrier there Um, they were just doing, like, charades and hand signals, and he was like, you could, like, see the cartoon light bulb pop up in his head, and he's like, oh, oh, runs to his car and grabs the thing and grabs a hammer, and it's exactly the right size wrench, and, like, he just, the the cars are the ultimate equalizer, and they're, they also are the unifier.
0: Yes, yes, that's a a great way to say it, too. I mean, you, there, obviously, you had the impasse of, uh, you know, not a really shared language but when you're you're pointing to a a part and you're like you said you're doing kind of the motions uh you're both understood and you know what to do and how to do it so that's pretty amazing yeah that is that was one of the coolest things for me that is a great cool i mean i like that whole aspect of it would you say that in all of your your travels and your 32 years josh do you can you narrow down to you what uh might be one of the most rewarding people based or heartfelt or like kind of touching moment I mean I know you've had plenty of goose uh, goosebump moments with car people but is there one that you could just uh, you could hang your hat on for sure hmm. um I don't know if there's one you know what I mean yeah
2: like there's, there's a lot of them that have been incredible and amazing and uh, there's there's one that uh like I've changed a lot of people's lives, which is weird to say um because i to me i'm just I'm just me, you mm-hmm. know, but you don't know how much effect or impact you could have on somebody else's life by essentially just being you as long as you're the right person at the right time for that right person like mm-hmm. um you know I've come through met this dudes um uh, on the way through that was in a super low place in his life, like, you know, contemplating suicide and, you know, having a bad time with his girlfriend and just every in this massive depression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in his mind, everything is as bad as it gets, doesn't get any worse. So I come through on the first time through with this truck, this first trip and I come rolling in on a tow strap, actually like a, a cheap ratchet strap. And I, have been living in this truck for three months. I've been living in a barn. I've been, you know, sleeping in front of the shop. And in some ways, this is some of the worst times ever. Um, you know, I slept in the truck when it was 16 degrees out. I woke up and the inside of the truck is frozen. And, and I'm sort of telling my story. Um, this guy was almost more of a bystander in the situation, but he's seeing what I'm doing. And how they're miserable times, but how I am like sort of perpetually optimistic and how, how much fun I had doing these terrible, miserable things. Mm-hmm. And this vehicle that is absolutely not even close to like complete or finished by basically anybody's standards, but I'm out there, I'm driving it, I'm enjoying it, and I'm having the time of my life making all these connections and friends where so many people, and I've been a victim of this myself for in my early years. I held such high standards for the projects that I was working on, but there's no way that I would ever, ever complete them. And I sort of pulled back a bunch. And this truck and this experience has taught me that getting it on the road is far more valuable than getting it on the road perfectly ten years from now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been able to sort of
2: shed light and gain perspective on that for a lot of people just in doing what I'm doing. Like just go out there and do it.
0: It doesn't need to be perfect. You're not perfect. No, and I was going to say I think that wisdom for the 77 Hilux can be applied to a lot of things in life. You can can stay on the sidelines and say, well, I have to wait for the the perfect – uh, partner, spouse, whatever. I need. I have to wait for that perfect promotion, that perfect job, the perfect house, whatever it is. And uh, as John Lennon said, you know, life happens. Is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And I, I think that yeah. you're right on the money with. You got to embrace it and learn on the fly and adjust as you go.
2: To go for it. Yeah, adjust the sales. To, it's 100. Yeah. percent Go for it.
0: Just do it. Yeah. No, I get it. Well. Of all the, I mean, you've logged some serious miles just in the in the Toyota Hilux itself. But of all your your times on the road and and meeting great people, like you said, building that community, exposing the goodness in, in the average person, have you had one of those? Uh, uh, you should have maybe not come back from it. Kind of scary, uh, near death, close to the edge, kind of experiences somewhere out there on the open road. So
2: that's kind of kind of funny because like. I know that every tough guy wants to say this, but I'm not afraid of anything. The only thing I'm actually afraid of is like disappointing people who I respect greatly or or value highly. um, Sort of social repercussions.
0: Okay. But
2: physically, like, I'm ready to go right now. Mm -hmm. I've lived more of a life in 25 years than most people will ever live their entire life. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm good with it. So, Because of that, like, I think that, (laughs) not to to sound cryptic, but I think that death is arguably one of the most important parts of life. And if you're gonna fully love life, you need to learn to embrace death. This is all my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And if, if you don't love death, you'll never fully love life. So you need to be able to take it to the edge to get the maximum out of life. Like you, I think I've faced death more times than most anybody I know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. More near death expe- experiences. You know, not that I've seen the light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, died on the hospital bed and came back six minutes later. But um, I have come pretty close to, to seeing the pearly gates quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like just just this weekend. Um, when I was driving down past you, mm-hmm. um, we were going to hook up, but you know, the schedule didn't work. I drove 400 miles without any brakes, which I know that there's going to be a lot of haters that say, "You know, I put everyone's life at risk," and which is partially true. Um, but there's plenty of close moments just then.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and there are times that uh, if you if you over concentrate on how close to the edge. That almost exacerbates the the potential of something going wrong, too. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I,
2: so I do all these trips, right? And I have all these magic moments. And I'm one of those guys that I found that I get dipped in shit and come out smelling like roses. <laughs> um, but what people forget is I got dipped in poop first.
0: Right, you know, right, all they see is they smell like roses so yeah there's nothing champagne um, like about that
2: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> my I got a a partner that I work with that um he went on a road trip with me last year and he's asking he's like Josh how do you do it because like like I said, it's magic. It's or it's the power of God or whatever you believe in, but it's mm-hmm. magic. Mm-hmm. And we ran out of gas in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, where on I eighty, um, just a little bit west of you. Yeah. And we, my partner, is like kind of a, a tense, stressful guy that needs to have a plan to in order to be calm and cool. So immediately, just to sort of defuse the situation, I call AAA. Just so that he doesn't get all up in arms and stress <laughs> about stuff. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm on the phone with AAA, he's cool and peaceful and fine now that we got a plan. Um, like, <laughs> AAA, I was on the phone with them for like a half hour. They were trying to figure out whose district I was in and where I was and, like, just on hold. And I was getting kind of frustrated because I know that if I did things my way, I would probably already be back on the road (laughs) Um, and I'm only doing it this way so that my partner doesn't get all grumpy so I grab a piece of cardboard out of the back of the truck while I'm on hold with AAA I grab a sharpie and I wrote need gas won't kill you and hold it up on the side (laughs) of the road in under two minutes this dude named Rudy Unknown pulls over He gives me two gallons of gas like shakes my hand and I'm on to the next you know, I made it to the next segment for a gas station and and uh, you know that's when my partner was like I still don't get how you do it Josh I said you've got to just release control just give in to the process trust the process mm-hmm. you know and if you're on the religious side trust God you know mm-hmm. miracles will happen mm-hmm. but it's uh yeah, just give in to the process. Go for it and release control.
0: Just mm-hmm. adjust the ship, the mm-hmm. sales. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful uh beautiful way to say it. Sort of like you you can paddle like crazy or you can just go with the current and let it take you. Yeah. Yeah, why fight it. Now any Any amazing moment, like, I I mean, obviously you've done drag racing, you've competed in things, you've done some, I mean, I've seen the YouTube videos, some incredible, hellacious burnouts. Is there been a, like, a moment or two that you just sometimes, if you're, you know, you're you're in the garage and you're wrenching, you just have a smirk, you smile to yourself, like, that was an amazing, that was a fun time kind of thing.
1: So...
2: that happens with me. Every single time it happens, I have an uncontrollable smile.
0: Okay.
2: Um, I was living in Virginia for a little bit. I Had a an eighty five Toyota pickup, little two wheel drive, had a Chevy small block in it and you know, chromoly cage and but it looked stock on the outside. A little sleeper. Well I had a hundred and fifty mile commute every single day. And there was this Little back road through the country because if I could get it up to a hundred miles an hour, there was an eighty foot tabletop that I could clear, and it was smooth as glass. <laughs> um, and I I did that tabletop every single day in both directions for two years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so I, that truck had more hang time on it, you know, than, than American Airlines, but. <laughs> Any time my tires come off the ground, I have an uncontrollable smile, (laughs) like involuntary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's all right, Um, that's all right.
2: (laughs) I've got a pretty good resume on that. um, (laughs) Like 10 years ago, I hosted this exhibition-style motorsports event. Uh, The event was called Boulder Bash, and... I, it was basically like rock crawling You know like the jeeps and buggies mm-hmm. And It was like endurance rock racing That I condensed and put between Grandstands and a fairground mm. And we put big piles of boulders And then I also put jumps in there um, And back then These rock racers Weren't really doing jumps I was just putting in there in hopes that somebody would um, And you know I've got 1,500 to 2,000 people in the grandstands waiting for somebody to do this jump and none of the rock crawlers were doing it. When like the biggest, baddest guy wouldn't do it, I knew I was in trouble. So really all I did was set expectations for the fans and then let them down. So I called in a buddy and he dragged the car over and uh, it was a fairly new Cadillac DeVille at the time. And he was like, you can have it if you jump it. I said, okay. And he thought I was, you know, calling his bluff. He was calling mine. But we ended up putting a duct tape 01 on the door, and I sent it. Um, And we did, we ended up putting three people in the car. My announcer, like the VP of environmental affairs, and it it was dumb. Um, So I did this event a couple of times, and it became known, like, there's this, this part of a stunt show really is that
0: josh is going to jump something stupid we have to go to the boulder bash right can't miss it one of the last ones i did at that location
2: i brought a ford explorer to jump and i was getting ready to do it you know we're hyping the crowd and i'm walking over i grab my helmet i'm walking to the vehicle and my buddy scott big man you know over 300 pounds um he starts coming with me I'm like what's going on and he goes, well, I'm coming with you. Like, dude, you, this is got to be way bigger than the last one. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you're doing it. I'm like, all right, dude, you're an adult. You're older than me. You can make your own decisions. All right. Let's go. And uh, so we got the dozer out. We pushed the pile up. And I hit it at, I don't know, 65 miles an hour or so. And I went about 70 feet. And then when I landed, I bounced back up sideways for another 20 feet or so. And... I'm counter-steering because I'm sideways in the air and I'm back on the throttle and I'm getting ready to do another lap. Well, uh, Ford has an inertia switch that killed the fuel pump, which is I was bummed about because I was going to do another lap and hit it again. But wow. it ended up being a good thing because we jumped so big that my passenger broke his back.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gosh.
0: How many weeks of traction did that cost? <laughs> <laughs>
2: He was, like, uh, kind of a, a, a real big deal in the off-road community, at least locally, because he did a lot for the community. Um, wow. You know, he was the vice president of environmental affairs, <laughs> um, sort of a liaison between, you know, the, the motorsports heads and, you know, the Greenies in charge
1: right, right
0: at
2: the state level, <laughs> so a lot of people look down on me pretty hard for that because I kind of I kind of broke their fearless leader right right in a
0: reckless act so <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> well, if you will, talk a little bit about uh, vague industries, your business, and whatever you'd like to share with uh, the Cubers about it okay,
2: so back in that era. Like ten years ago, um, I hosted that rock crawl, and it's called the Boulder Bash, and I sort of did that as like a marketing tactic. So, what I was really trying to do was market my business, which at the time was called Dr. Custom Works. It was an offer road fabrication business. Um, I was trying to market my business to locals that were, you know, interested in what I do. So, I figured the easiest way, and most cost-effective way, to efficiently. Access, you know, three thousand uh, locals that are interested in what I do is to host an event, and then I have a captured audience, and I can shove whatever I want down their throat. Mm-hmm. Um, not only does do I have a captive audience, but they paid me for me to advertise to them instead of the opposite, which it normally is if you advertise through radio or magazine or mm-hmm. whatever. So I started it as a marketing course, and. That business, well, I don't know, for, uh, four or five years or so, I did that, and I just—I was young, I 20 years old when I started this, and like I had the skills and the talent, I just didn't know anything about life or communication with customers or just business in general. I knew nothing, so it was wearing me out bad. I got burnt out hard, and I decided that you know, I'm all done. I want to move down south, start a new life, get a job as a regular machinist or something, get a Camry and a and a dog and an apartment and <laughs> right. no longer be in magazines and features and newspapers. Just be normal and disappear. Um, well, my shop ended up burning down. I lost everything. Um, and I... Uh, at that time, I was like, I'm never doing this again. I don't, and if I do, I'm not doing anything like I did last time. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that whatever I was doing was not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fun, but in the end of the day, it just didn't work. So it was, I don't know, three or four years later, I finally got back on my feet, back to square, paid everybody back, um, cause it was a big disaster. Um, and, all these cards just landed in my lap. And it just, like, the the shop location, the employee, the literally everything was set that if I didn't open a shop, it would be a self-destructive decision. Right. So I started a, this business called Vague Industries. And it's called Vague Industries because what we do is a little bit vague.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we are um like i specialize in chassis and suspension and that's pretty much across the boards whether that's you know road course drag racing monster trucks desert race cars whatever um chassis and suspension is my game okay. and that's what we're most well known for is you know like our tube work and manufacturing cnc cut you know chassis and cnc bed chassis um We're making axle housings. I just started, uh, just started manufacturing my own forged aluminum wheels. Um, we have put a couple of prototype coilover shocks together, so we've got a lot more work on that before that's actually a viable product. But, um, we're doing a a bunch of stuff, and then really our main goal right now is, um, to sort of become more of a marketing conduit for larger corporations to market through us um, because of what we're doing, we're getting on ground level. So like our, our tangible reach is not directly super high, but the companies we use and we associate with have an enormous reach. So like you saw the Hoonigan video, right? it's not yeah. my video, that's Hoonigan's video, but it's still over a million views. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, we still reached over a million on that. Holly Performance did a thing on us. That's almost four million views. And then literally every single major media outlet, you know, Jalopnik, Speed Society, Smoke and Tire, you know, all of these things have done multiple features on us. Um, So because we're actually on ground level, hitting the streets, talking with the people, going to the events, and a lot of the stuff that we're doing, these large corporations just can't actually do. So to reach our market, they could run cold targeted ads to reach all the same people we reach, but it's exactly that, it's a cold ad, whereas if they market through me, you're using my brand integrity to To sell their product to my market, you know, it means a lot more if I say, you know, lifetime LED lights are the brightest lights on the planet, which they're great. Mm -hmm. But it means more coming from me to my audience than lifetime LED going to my
0: audience. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. You're endorsing it, and you're you're a user of the product. You're in the grassroots. You understand what uh, the average buyer consumer is looking for, and you are one as well.
2: Exactly, and you know, I myself have a high brand integrity. So, like, we've been approached by a couple of companies that, you know, they made a pretty nice offer. But in the end of the day, it just went against went against my principles that, you know, I couldn't promote that product like with a with a clean conscience. Right. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Now so, you're the one who has to look in the mirror when you shave. That's how I. That's how I see it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, it's gotta be able to look at yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it didn't matter how much money they threw at us. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess there's probably a line there too, but, um, you know, so that's kind of right where we're at. We're working with a, um, a large media company right now. We're doing our own little, basically it's a YouTube show. Um, we've submitted for approval for Amazon prime, um, and apparently we had some problems with the subtitling, so we gotta fix that, but it'll be on Amazon Prime. Um, right now we got a couple episodes on YouTube with uh, Busted Knuckle Films.
0: Okay. They
2: are a um, half a million subscriber channel. They get almost 500 million views a year. Um, so it's a big outlet, and we've got a little show called Death Wish with them. And so far, it's sort of just been almost like a fancy vlog, in mm-hmm. a way, of my yeah. trips and yeah. my experiences with these strangers and breaking down. And um, We do a little bit of build stuff on there. We don't go super detailed on, like, how-tos. Um, but, you know, that's sort of why Vague Industries is doing everything, and that's why it's vague. You know, we do hot rods. We do pro mega trucks and rock racers and... um. And we're also doing you know, becoming a marketing conduit, trying to do paid product integration into our shows and it's just a lot of fun. Like if it's not fun, we're not doing it.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. And I think that in anything, you if you are true to yourself and you enjoy what you're doing, everything else will fall into place.
2: I agree with that. So there was a last year at the end of the year. Um, I was invited to this exclusive, like, invite only, I don't even know what you want to call it, like a marketing seminar or something. It was weird, because, like, I'm I'm not super well off, but I'm self-made, I'm proud of who I am, um, but, you know, I'm still grassroots, dude. And I was at this place, invited by the host of this event, sitting in a room full of, very successful, you know, millionaires and billionaires and all these marketing gurus. And I was kind of like, sort of placed on a pedestal. Like, it it was odd for me because I felt like I was out of place. And, you know, the guy's pointing at me saying, you need to be like this. This guy is the model of
0: authenticity.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's mostly because I'm doing this stuff whether anyone's watching or not. So might as well get as many people to watch as we can.
0: Right, but you're being yourself and you like being yourself and you're good at it obviously and, you're, and you enjoy it. And I think that oftentimes people get very you know, caught up in what the facade is working or what the formula is and they, they maybe lose a bit of who they were once were. And I think that's, yep. that's a credit to you just staying your true north.
2: Yeah, I think that that's I think that's huge in everything and not just in automotive entertainment, you know, just literally everything. You will be successful if you are just you, but 110% you. Mhm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, without that. And I think that uh in the end people can see through the the shellac and the gloss if it's oh, if it's not real. Yeah.
2: You don't even have to be a three, three degrees
0: off of who you really are and it's night and day visible so yeah yeah, there's a lot of truth a lot of truth to that all, for sure I'm glad that you actually went down and mentioned about um, smoking tire and Jalopnik and, and the busted knuckle films and things death wish I mean those are I, I think that's important because I always want to help cross promote for my guests and and know that they'll probably do the same it's a, again part of that community but are there any other um channels or or ways that uh, people that are really interested in in learning more about you, Josh, and and what you've done can find you?
2: Well, uh, when is this going to be published? Because I'm under a non-disclosure and exclusivity contract right now for a show we're doing, but when do you think this will be published?
0: When, what does the NDA allow and prevent? Because I was actually Uh, shoehorning you, I was going to shoehorn you in to next Tuesday night.
2: Okay, um, Yeah, no, it'll be September. So we're doing something with a major on-demand thing um, to be able to see a little more content on that. But, um, you know, just social. We're we're on Facebook, Instagram. I just started jumping on TikTok because that's an exploding platform right now. Um, Yeah, that's where we put all the stuff. You know, you want to keep up. It's big industries and big industries on on Facebook and on Instagram, and you know we do stories which are live, current, and then you know if you're paying attention real close, you'll sort of have a good idea on what's coming on uh, Busted Knuckles YouTube channel, which would be our Death Wish show. Um, but like that 13,000 mile trip we did in six weeks, mm-hmm. yeah. I drove I drove this 1,100 horse Toyota Hilux from New Hampshire to Dallas, got to LA, where I dropped the, the truck off at a buddy's house. I got a 1966 Chevy C10 running. I drove that in stock form all the way out to Dallas, where I did a turbocharged 5.3 and a five-speed swap at. I drove that back to Tucson, where I lowered it and put disc brakes on it and power brakes. <laughs> um, and then continued to LA, where I grabbed my Hilux, you know, my buddy Editor of Hot Rod magazine and a few others, and we cannonballed from LA to Las Vegas for Holly LS Fest for a couple of days, but on the very original trip out in the Hilux to uh, LA, I blew it up in Phoenix. Oh. Um, I was on another podcast out there, C10 Talk, with Ronnie, okay. and he's like, you got to give me a ride in this thing after we're done with the show. But yeah, no problem. I beat the crap out of that thing all the way across the country. Showed no mercy. And I made it halfway around his block. Then next thing you know, I got rod knocked because I'm, oh. I'm dumb, I guess. I don't know. So I had to find, I had to make friends who had a shop and i lived in that dude's shop for two days while I pulled the engine out and put a new crank and rods in it. And, you know, the, kindness of strangers there again you know i'm in phoenix mm-hmm. and this dude was um jason bowman big 10. he uh like, yeah you can use my shop no big deal no clean up of course um and some strangers are like yeah i can get you a crankshaft i got a i got a rod for you i'll bring you some bearings i'll and just you get on social dick like, i'm busted and they they just show up, it's crazy. It's so crazy, people just want to help. Um, And rebuilt the engine there. So six weeks, two full builds, we also did a junkyard resurrection on a four-wheel drive cutlass that had been sitting for 10 years, we didn't (laughs) leave the junkyard until it ran and drove out of the junkyard, beat it in the desert, until it died, and then, you know, most of the stuff's on film. So, um, you know, it was all on our stories. So if you're on the social platforms at all, yeah. you'll see a lot of sneak previews before it's actually uh, in production and published on, on Busted Knuckles' channel there.
0: Awesome. That is so great. Very cool. Well, I know we're coming up on the, the top of the hour, and I see, as we said before, and, and uh, with your future growth and things, it'll be probably even harder to to be able to get you back on the show as quickly. But anything else that you want to leave the Cars of Carlisle listeners with? I mean, we have, we have fans not only all over the country, but all over the world. Um, but I think that you've kind of epitomized the, that hot rod American dream where crisscrossing our great country multiple times and, and uh, making new friends at every turn. Anything else that you'd like to, to share with, with the crew here?
1: I don't think anything
2: new I just you know just sort of reiterating the fact like don't be scared just go do it like you have never not made it yet you've made it every time you're still here yeah. if not
0: just do it Yeah. don't be so scared of what other people are going to think yeah and we can we can overanalyze and like you said sometimes we just I, I, I'll paraphrase what you said maybe halfway into the show but just about you have to you have to know when to l- release control and, and kind of ease up on the grip
2: 38 special said it best hold on loosely but don't let go that's right
0: immortalized back in that 80's song that's a good one (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) well Josh thank you so much for uh, spending time with us from beautiful Keene, New Hampshire and uh, uh, I'm planning to come up this fall and I will definitely uh, coax you for a, a scary ride in the Hilux if possible
2: Awesome. Yeah, we'll
0: do something dumb. Look me up, man. And we are back to Studio A. A big thanks to Josh Masrell. We are hoping to get back up to the New Hampshire area, and I would definitely love to have a ride in, uh, in his Toyota Hilux for sure. So we cannot uh, thank Josh enough. Good to have a, a friend like that in the automotive hobby business, and we'll be talking with him again, most likely multiple episodes over the coming 12 to 18 months. The question Today's trivia question was simply this, what was the first year of production for the Toyota Hilux? answer to that is the first generation started in 1968 and Toyota gave the marketing name Hilux for really a series of light commercial vehicles that were marketed and produced mainly for the Japanese uh, markets and it covered everything from pickup trucks and cab chassis variants. But in 1976, for the North American market, they essentially dropped the Hilux marketing name and went more with just the truck, pickup truck, compact truck, etc. And it then began to morph into what we now know as the SR5, which was essentially shorthand for Sport Rally 5-speed. So now you know a little bit more about the Hilux name than perhaps you did before the show started. So we're at the end of this episode and want to say a big thanks to all of you Cubers. And I would also like to uh, give a warm welcome to two new fans out of the Winchester, Virginia area, thinking of you ladies, and uh, really appreciate you being uh, fans of the show. So for now, I'll say drive well, be well, and take care.